Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today we're going to have an episode that's going to be focused around family. We are going to be joined by my wife, Maricela Miles Mattingly, and by Dr. Dave Stewart. He is going to talk to us about couples, kids, and COVID. So if you recognize Dr. David Stewart's name, he's been on the show before and we wanted to have him back. And so now he's here and we wanted to bring in my wife as well, because I said, how can we have a family and marriage counselor on and not have both of us on? We might as well get us all here so we can get it all done. So Dave, welcome back. And Madi, welcome back. Well, I'm excited. Awesome. Yes. Well, I'm glad to be back. I think we had a great conversation uh, this spring and Still here in this COVID situation, so I'm looking forward to what you got there, Mr. Inland. Yeah, absolutely. So I know, Marty, you thought about this. This is actually an idea that you had brought to my attention. So talk us through why we brought or why you wanted to bring him back or why you thought it'd be a good idea to bring David on and have both of us on. Of course, because when you guys recorded your first episode, there was so many pieces of information that he shared that were just so valuable that I was like, wow, we're getting a session here, a therapy session, and we're not even paying for it. And I just found it just awesome. I think just not too long ago, you were recording another episode and you shared a piece of, we were talking about when you win an argument, the marriage loses. So I was just like, wow, just pieces like that, that he shared on the first episode that I just thought it was awesome. I'm like, we need to have him back. Absolutely. And so with that, if you didn't have a chance already and you haven't listened to the first episode, please go back and listen to that one because There was many gems that were Mm -hmm. dropped in that episode. It was earlier this year. I believe it was in March. I think I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was in March. And today we're back to tackle the topic of COVID couples and kids. As all of us have been sitting in our homes, you know, over the last eight months, nine months, if you will, just trying to navigate our way through COVID and how we're going to do stuff. And now we have kids at home. And so what we normally do has been kind of thrown off and put on its head. And with that being said, I wanted to bring someone in to talk a little bit about it. And so let's jump right in. Couples and COVID. I mean, what are some of the things that you're seeing and things that we should talk about or we should know? Well, one thing that I've noticed in my practice is with COVID, we had talked actually back in, what's back in March. Mm-hmm. That's when things started, you know, you know, really started coming to a head. People were being told to shelter in place and that type of thing. What I found in my practice as a marriage and family therapist is just a huge influx in uh, couples on the brink of divorce. And part of why that is, is with this sheltering in place, we no longer had the distractions that were there that helped couples to kind of avoid addressing, you know, really deep and fundamental issues in their relationship. And it's not that, you know, with this COVID situation that the world is in, that that's the reason for divorce. But what's happening is people that were on the brink of divorce anyway, now just have reached a head where they just can't tolerate. And that's the reason for the increase in divorce is that we no longer have the distractions that were there, you know, to prolong either the inevitable or to help us to cope with the challenges that, you know, couples just refuse to face. 
and the sheltering in place is really, it's kind of forcing us to actually address issues. But what I'm also finding is the opposite, is that couples that do face, you know, their circumstances, you know, actually have a stronger marriage because of this COVID, because the distractions aren't there. They are able to focus on themselves. They are able to focus in on their kids. And they're actually coming out of this situation, though it's exhausting, they're coming out of this situation with better family relationships. So it really depends on, you know, what the mindset is and how people frame this challenge that the world is in. And it's a very important thing that you said before we even started recording. You talked about transforming mindset. And I think that in this time, you know, with COVID, with the shelter in place, I think like you didn't say this, but I'm thinking like, I think it's really shown us how selfish we really are. Because we don't have that time to ourselves. This is just a thought I just had right now, but I think it's really uncovering the deep seated selfishness in our culture. And so what's happening is we don't get that time to ourselves. At least this is what I'm thinking. But I think when I heard you say the transforming the mindset from me to we, before I even get to there, is there anything that you wanted to add? Yes, because I think if I go back to the last episode, it was talking about the universe and we have our own little universe we live in. And then when we have our other person, our couple, our spouse that we're surrounded by, and a lot of times without this COVID thing, we could kind of still have our own little universe and do our own little thing. But now we have been forced to combine those and with no other alternatives, no, you know, you can't go out and have drinks and just go out and eat because everything's on lockdown now. You may be golf, but maybe not. You know, all these other distractions are not available to us. So these two universes are having to be forced together or unfortunately for some people, you know, forced apart. So with that, talk to us about that mindset transformation that you've seen or that is important for people to go through. Well, you know, I always share, you know, when I do premarital counseling and that type of thing, that you are transforming from an inherent me mindset into a we mindset. That we mindset does not come naturally. That we mindset comes through a choice. And the reason why that's so difficult is because we don't like to admit it, but we do by default. Look at things, how this is going to benefit me. That's the first thing we think about because it's about, I don't want to call it selfishness. That's kind of what it is, but I would like to call it more self-preservationist. You know, we're more self-preservationist. But marriage requires a deliberate and decisional mindset shift or transformation to see that my life is no longer just mine, but it's now shared. And it's easier said than done because even in dating, we're still somewhat selfish in the sense that I'm with you because of how you make me feel. And I'm excited to get together with you because of how I feel when I'm with you. And that's what tricks a lot of couples into getting married because they're like, man, I like the way you make me feel. I can do this all day long. I can do this all my my life. And then we get on our knees and start proposing. Well, this is the thing, you know, and I may have shared this in the last broadcast, but uh, what happens is when we're dating, we're only seeing the performance of that person. And that's what we fall in love with. And the things that we don't know about that person, we fill in the blanks with how we hope that person would be. But once I get married to you, then I not only get the front or the final production or the stage performance, I also get the rehearsals. I also get the backstage. I get all the stuff, you know, that wasn't privy to while we were dating. I get all of that. Why? Because what's happening is I'm marrying the whole person, not just the part that was presented to me while we were dating. And that's why divorce rates skyrocket, because instead of marrying or falling in love with that person, we fall in love with a hologram 
of who we think that person is, what was presented to us and the stuff we don't know, we fill in the blanks of what we hope they'll be. And that's the, you know, the challenge of marriage. And the key is recognizing that I'm now sharing a life with someone and embracing the truth that this person may see life a little different than me. And that means that I have to be willing to let go of certain things to accommodate the shared existence with someone else. In other words, this person is not just a satellite and I'm the world, but they're a planet too. Mm-hmm. Now we can debate which planet is bigger and all that stuff. <laughs> Bottom line is both of them are planets. Now we got to figure out how do we work respecting the fact that no one is a satellite. And that's, again, easier said than done, especially after we've been tricked by dating. Dating is like, yeah, she all about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I call, she answer, mm-hmm. you know, she all Google eyed with me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about me. But no one, no, 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 no. She has her needs, her wants, her desires, just like I do. And sometimes they make, you know, conflict. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to share this life, if we're going to share this existence together, I have to be mature enough to accept the fact that I'm not the planet and she's a satellite. And likewise, he's not the satellite and you're the planet. We've got to work on creating a world that accommodates both of us. And it takes a heck of a lot of maturity to be able to do that. I hear you. And this is great stuff. I'm thinking, how does all this work together when you have all those things that we need to figure out? And then we have the shelter in place like immediately. And now we're thrust into trying to navigate those things. And if you have any questions, Amadi, just jump right in and ask them whenever you feel. How does this add an additional challenge to becoming the person, the we person from the me person? Well, again, it's called rational thinking. And what is rational thinking? Rational thinking is accepting things as they are, not what you wish for them to be. And I say it's easier said than done because we are self-preservationists by nature. I hate to use the word selfish, but we're self-preservationists by nature. And we have a subconscious mind that drives some of this self-preservation. In other words, how we interpret life is based upon what works for me. But the problem with that mindset is that it's very subjective, not objective. And one thing that I... Mm -hmm, Go ahead. That I think of is with the meditation practice that I just, you know, Emlyn has been doing this for years, but I have finally just started to really just take the time to do it. And some of the things that you're saying is some of the things that they talk about in the app, you know, as I've been just taking, you know, as a 21 day session. And one of the sessions was everything is temporary. Nothing is forever. And what you just said right now about that feeling of the dating just brings that back that it's all temporary. So if we're not really honing in on who this individual really is, then that feeling is just temporary. And then eventually it's going to flee. And then we're really going to have to figure out what is it that I really love about this individual that, you know, that's going to make me or has brought me to spending the rest of my life with this person. I mean, how do you navigate? I mean, is it communication? Is it talk? I mean, how do you, I mean, with us, I think I'm being more aware you know, especially with the meditation of how Emlyn is feeling or how he's doing. And I'm understanding him a little bit better where I know if he's frustrated about something, give him his space, give him his time, and then he'll come around. And the same thing with him. I think he's starting to understand how if Madi is upset, you know, maybe I'm going to do this, do that. I know this is going to help her kind of just, you know, be better. Well, how do you navigate all that? Well, it's a couple of things. 
One is the recognition that we are more subjective than objective than we care to admit. We have a tendency to believe and to behave according to what works for me. And what works for me is my reality. The problem is what works for me may not work for someone else. In other words, I share with my clients, you know, we have three filters to our reality. Our life experiences, our education, and the personality that was put inside of us when we were in our mama's tummy. Okay, those three things are what makes a lot of our decisions subjective as opposed to objective. And what is subjective? Subjective is what works for me. The problem is what I think works for me, I assume works for everyone else. And if someone has a different perspective, then it's not me that's wrong, it's you that's wrong. And that becomes problematic in marriage. Marriage, we have to recognize that my filters may be different than my spouse's filters. And if we're going to do this thing together, I have to respect your filters as you need to respect mine. And we need to come together, not with this mindset that I am right, but to come with the mindset that I have my set of filters. I know you have a set of filters. Let's see what we can do to make this existence work for both of us. What makes it very difficult is we become so attached to our filters. We assume, we assume that my filters are the right filters because they what? Work for me. If it works for me, it must be right. But again, that's a very immature way of thinking because you have all these different personality assessments. And if what you were doing was absolutely right, then that means that your personality will be no different than anybody else's personality. But I know there's a ton of different personality assessments, one in particular, Myers-Briggs, that says there's 16 very distinct personalities, 16 different ways of looking at life. And that's just the basics. I'm not talking about blends, you know, conduct these personality assessments. Rarely have I found someone that just perfectly fits in one of the 16. So you got blends. So at a basic level, There's people, there's one out of, well, I don't say one out of 16, but there's 16 different personalities, 16 different ways of looking at life. So if you think my way is the right way, which many of us think, then we're going to be in a lot of, you know, we're going to run into a lot of problems. So with marriage, we have to have a certain level of maturity that says the way you think is different than the way I think. I am mature enough to accept that the way you see things may have some value that I need to accept, especially if we're going to do life together, as opposed to me trying to force my personality, my way of thinking on you. Rarely does it work. I'm just sitting here and just, you know, all those thoughts going through my head. Like, I'm sure Madi's having the same thoughts. Hmm, what about this? What about that? What about this? But one thing that I want to think about is now we have this, you know, us trying to figure out each other and honestly, you know, putting the other one first. And this is just for couples in general. I'm not speaking to Marty and I specifically, but you are. But the question would be not question, but the next thing would be, okay, so now you have a couple, right? And what about the kids? Because we throw them in there in the mix. You know what I mean? Now we have, you know, a nice little party going on, right? We got the kids at home. We got parents trying to work on, trying to figure out, trying to make sure that it's not all about them. You know, it's not trying to transition from me to we and we yes. is the kids. So talk about the kids in COVID. Oh, the what kids are, are selfish. What's that? Oh, those the kids are selfish. 
<laughs> they want that attention all day, every day. You know, it's just like, Mama, I want you someone water, milk. It's like, oh my God, can you just give me a moment? We're talking about being selfish individuals. I think that when you see the children and I think of ours, it's like, it's a constant need or I need to grab them there, you know, with now Isela being eight months old, you know, she's sitting, but she's rolling and moving and it's like, oh, pick her up. So it's just constant attention, 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 attention. Well, see, we're in, you know, especially with this COVID situation, tensions can be high because at least, you know, pre-COVID, I can get a break. I can just do me and not have to worry about somebody else. Okay, but this is, you know, Emily, you stirred up the pot when you brought up the kids. Okay, because it's tough enough with me being mature enough, humble enough to accommodate different perspectives, different views with someone that I'm sharing a life with. Marriage requires a high level of maturity, bottom line, if it's going to work. Because what is maturity? Maturity is being able to contain your perspective and give space for somebody else's perspective. And not many people develop that skill, okay? But it's rational. Like I said, Myers-Briggs identified 16 different personality types. It's real, but the hard part is being able to see things beyond how we see things. But this COVID situation, oh my gosh, is almost forcing us to look at this and work out something if we're going to survive. Now. Going back to the kid, you know, the child situation, as I shared, you know, we all are inherently selfish. We're all inherently self-preservation. Well, why is that? Well, when a kid is born, when a child is born, they are extremely vulnerable. They have to be selfish because a kid that doesn't cry doesn't eat. The world does revolve around that infant because it's a matter of survival, okay? So we come out of the world with the world revolving around me. And a parent's responsibility, whether you're a man of faith like I am or not, bottom line is is a parent's responsibility is to train, if you want that uh, child to grow into a successful adult, is to train that egocentricity out of them to help transition or transform that thinking from me, 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 the world revolves around me into, you know, instead of having this mindset of being a taker, transition it and transforming it into being a contributor. But that has to be trained. And if a parent doesn't take that responsibility to train that egocentricity out, then what you have is in, our, in the world of psychology, we call them uh, adults that have entitlement mindsets. They're just big infants. And they get upset when they don't get their way. Except now they use Instead of, you know, throwing a bowl across the, you know, the room, they now have guns and stuff. Yes. No, that's huge because that's so true. I mean, like I said, seeing our kids and then like now seeing our son getting a little bit older, being a more independent, you know, being more of a contributor. And now it's like, here, go take this piece of trash to the basura. He's walking over there, taking it himself, grabbing this or really just, you know, now speaking a lot more. So now telling me. What is it that he wants? And then me communicating with him if it's something that I can't do that you need to wait and you need to be patient. So, I mean, you're so spot on because, I mean, sometimes I'll say I'm guilty of it. It's just like, I don't want to hear the crying or the complaining. So I'll just give it to him now. And Emlyn's like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Don't rush to it because you don't want him to think that, you know, whatever it is he needs, he's going to get right now. And so it's a constant thing, like you mentioned, training and working together to get them 
to contribute and not just be such needy little people. <laughs> they're needy. You know, look here, look, I have, that, you know, they're needy, they're clingy, they want everything, you know, they're little <laughs> leeches. Okay. And I say that because I got <laughs> leeches. Okay. Well, actually, I love my babies. I have a 20 year old daughter who is just loving the fact that Kamala Harris, my baby girl, she goes oh. to Howard. She's a junior at Howard University. My wife's a Howard oh. alumnus as well. My son, he's been looking at a couple of different colleges, but he doesn't want to follow on the HBC because I didn't go to an HBCU, but he'll probably go on to Arizona State. That's kind of what he's kind of keying in on. But these two, they grew up just like that. You know, my 20-year-old and my 17-year-old, you know, I still remember like yesterday, I'm holding my baby girl, pumping gas, you know, I'm holding her like a football because she was with me everywhere. I mean, she's holding on to dad's pocket, you know, every time we walk, okay, hold on to dad's pocket. I don't want to go anywhere. She's a daddy's girl. But it seemed like just like that, you know, my baby is just doing some awesome things in uh, Washington, D.C. Okay. And same with my son. He's going to do some amazing things. But this is the thing. They're not mine. They're God's. They're the world's. And when we see our kids, when we see them, yes, they may have come from our loins, all right? But this is the thing. They're on loan. They're not ours. And it's our responsibility to train, prepare those little crumb snatchers to be contributors to the world. You know, yeah, it's cute to dress them like you, and, you know, but they're not our pets. You know, they're not my little me. No, they're not. Because those little cute things that you allow, you know, to go, daddy, no. And you're like, oh, that's cute. Okay, yeah. You let them go, daddy, no. When they're at 15, they're like, daddy, what? (laughs) In other words, that's why the training is so important. Because, yes, every baby comes out like we did. Every baby comes out egocentric. And if we're blessed, blessed with the privilege of having little ones, We've got to take that responsibility pretty friggin' serious. They're not our pets. They're cute. I know every parent says my babies are the cutest, okay? <laughs> but the bottom line is we now have a job to do, and it's not to dress them cute. It's to prepare them. Oh, that's awesome. I never even thought of it like that, but that's awesome. I love it because I got to prepare them, and they're on loan. They're oh, on wow, loan. Awesome. They're not yours. They're mine. I got to deal with them when they become adults. Yeah. They're the world's. You were just tasked. You were just given the privilege of preparing another human being to be a contributor to the world. It's a privilege. But don't get selfish with it. Dress them like you. Okay, that's cute. (laughs) But don't make that the primary reason why you have these babies. They Mm -hmm. are contributors to the world. And how they do it is really dependent upon the parents and the parents preparing them to be contributors, as cute as they are, as beautiful as they are, as skilled as they are, they still need to be transitioned and prepared. And, you know, and that's where, you know, where the adults kick in and this whole COVID situation, this whole COVID is really going to test parents in how they view their children. Because prior to COVID, I can get away with sending them to school and hoping the teachers will train them. Mm-hmm. But now I can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck with them. I don't have a break. I can't. Yeah. I got five hours, six hours yeah. not dealing with 
Now I have to deal with them. Well, this is the thing. Surprise, surprise. This was your responsibility from the get-go anyway. Those teachers didn't tell you, sorry for being frank, but those teachers didn't tell you to have sex with your spouse and bring them back. You did that. So that means you're the primary person responsible for that child that you brought to the planet. Yeah. Should I have said that? Should I have said that? Oh, that's yes. exactly what, I mean, because one thing we're going to do is we ain't going to lie to people. So we always going to tell them the truth. And so I, people need to hear that. I need to hear it. And I think about it like yesterday, last night we were watching the show and this little girl was missing in the show and the parent shows up to the school and says, well, hey, whose responsibility is this? Yours or mine? Mm-hmm. Because they're missing now. And I thought to myself, just like you're saying, it's like, that's always your response. It's your child. You don't, when they go to school, they're still yours. You just mm-hmm. sit them to school. And I think sometimes as parents, especially during COVID, everything is brought into light and focus. The things that your kids weren't doing at home that we, you know, the little thing that you're saying, like, you know, it's okay for them to just kind of swing his arm at you or something like that. That's okay. Hit you a little bit. That's okay. Well, what happens is that turns into that behavior is translated into things outside of the home where it's not okay because we haven't set the parameters on how behavior should be conducted all the time. And so when you have people that kids that aren't doing homework, kids that aren't logging on to distance learning, aren't doing these other things, when you're not as a parent holding your kids accountable, would be probably the best thing. And so what we're seeing is a lack of accountability from our And also structure too. I mean, I think that goes back to structure. I mean, when you were just sending them off, and you don't have the structure in the home to go to bed early, getting up early. And all these things are just not happening. Now they're not forced to leave the house, right? Now they have to just log on and now they're late because now you let them stay up till 10, till 11. And now, you know, so it's all these little things that this COVID thing is, is highlighting where these homes just never really had it. And now that they have to be in that home 100% of the time, there is no structure and there never was. Blame the school. See, and- Exactly. It's the school's fault. No, And this is the thing. Now, it falls right back into marriage because it all kind of lands on the husband and wife. In other words, if I don't do our marriage right or see our marriage as a true partnership, then I'm going to have a challenge with the little ones. Why? Because the little ones are looking to the parents to establish the culture, the atmosphere, the instruction on how we're going to operate in this household. Mm -hmm. But if there's dysfunction between a husband and wife, then it's gonna create dysfunction with the kids. Because again, remember I said they're born egocentric. It requires a concerted effort by the parents to train that egocentricity, not the school, not, you know, and you definitely don't want the society, the culture, it's the parents. But if me and my spouse don't have structure within ourselves, it's going to be very difficult to translate that or train that, Mm -hmm. you know, into our children. I always say with the couples that I work with that the most important relationship in the family is not between the parents and the kids, it's the marriage. The marriage, not the kids, but the marriage should always come first. And that's not being selfish with the kids. No, not at all. It's the same example that I like to give with, you know, taking a flight in the aircraft. They always tell you, if cabin pressure 
drops and those cups come down. What do they tell you? They tell you, put the mask on yourself first before you put it on the child. <laughs> now you would think that's, that is selfish. You know, the first thing you want to do is save the children. You know, that type of thing. That's my legacy. Okay, 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 okay. But this is the thing. If I'm not able to breathe right, my head is getting light, and I'm trying to fumble around trying to put this thing on the kid's head, I pass out. We both are laid out. Yeah, but you know what? You Mm -hmm. say something that's so awesome is that I will give my husband credit is he said this a long time ago to me, even before. I mean, maybe when we just had our little man and said, you know, it always comes back to the two of us. But both of us have to be together. Otherwise, you know, these children, if we're not together, then what about the kids? I think it was something like that. He always told me it's always about me and you, me and you. And for a long time, I didn't understand that because, you know, I grew up a little differently. And again, when you talked about in the other episode about the cultures and everything else, but I mean, that's so true. I see our son, especially as he's getting a little bit older, he looks to dad and then looks to me. You know, if dad told him something, then he looks to me to see, okay, is mom agreeing? And if we're not together, then I would be like, oh, don't listen to dad. He doesn't know what he's saying. But there's always that we have to be in sync. Otherwise, that child is going to know, okay, I can get away with this or I can get away with that because mom and dad are all over the place. And, you know, now he knows, you know, after bath, it's bedtime. There is no negotiating, no crying, no whining. It's just, okay, good night, give us our kisses. And he's right in bed because he knows both mom and dad are going to put him to bed no matter who's going to do it. What you just shared is this discipline. And discipline, people have a tendency to think discipline is synonymous with punishment. No, discipline. The root word of discipline is disciple. And what is a disciple? Someone that's being trained. So the discipline that you provide for your children is training, not punishment. Punishment is a part of discipline. Discipline involves reward and punishment, two things. So when you say, you know, that you have to take your bath, you have to do these certain things. Well, what you're doing is you are training your child to see these things as important. And what happens with discipline, discipline for children and mom and dad being on the same page, discipline for children are like training wheels. We discipline so that when they get older, you can take the training wheels off and that discipline turns into self-discipline. Now I can ride this bike and I don't need someone telling me what to do. I now have this thing down. That's the reason why the punishment and reward system that you have at home is going to prepare them. If done right, it's going to prepare them to make incredibly productive and successful choices when they become older. Why? Because I condition them. That's what it is. I'm conditioning them, you know, to make the right call, to make decisions that are actually going to elevate them. It's going to actually make them more productive. Okay. But without the training that an effective reward and punishment system all under the umbrella of discipline, it's going to actually make them ineffective as adults and not have self-discipline. And that's the reason why, again, going back to the mom and dad, that's why making your marriage and your partnership the priority, what it does, it allows the two of you to be much more effective in creating an environment of discipline that prepares them to become successful and and equipped with self-discipline when they become adults. Mom and dad are the priority. And how we do our relationship is a priority. And with this COVID situation, 
This is an excellent opportunity for me and my spouse to really hone in on our ability to create a great system because there's not as many distractions now. We can really hone in on preparing this little one to be an amazingly successful as an adult because that's really what's going to happen. That little cute, little cute of the button baby that you have, that baby's going to grow up. Yeah. I think that like when I'm hearing you say this, like I think about structure, I think about the discipline that you talk about and the self-discipline. And then the other factor is that the kids are always watching, right? The kids always watch what you do. So we had two older daughters too. I had a 13 and a 15 year old. And when I think about them watching what we do, because, you know, when they're, it's funny because talking to one of my daughters a time a while back, you know, I'm pretty regimented about my system and what I do. And so then when we have something like COVID come up, they're going to look to you to see if, like, I think one of the biggest things that we have to do as parents is we have to practice what we preach. So if we're telling kids to do something like, you know, far as getting up early, far as doing their homework, turning stuff in on time, having discipline, are you reading? What are you doing to, you know, continue your growth? I think when kids get to see that, you hold so much more weight when you ask them to do something or you tell them to do something or you're teaching them something because they say, oh, mom does this, dad does this. So, you know, this is what they do. And, and one thing that I've said to the kids time and time again is how you do one thing is how you're going to do everything. If you've been messing up and not turning in your homework in one class, it's probably just not in one class. If you're running late, to, you know, getting to class late, then check where else you're going late to check everything against how you do things. And so that's one of the things that I think as parents, we think that the kids aren't watching. Just like Madi had mentioned, when she says something, no, don't do that little Emlyn or no, don't do that. Whatever kid it may be. They look to me. What did dad say? Yep. Immediately. If I say something to them, they look at her and it's not something that you teach them. It's just, okay. well, these are our two leaders. What is the leadership of this home saying to this in particular situation? And they turn their head and look. And if we don't have a united front there, then there's going to be cracks in the foundation. And if you think these little kids do not notice and young adults, if you think they don't notice where they can maneuver and get stuff in, like they'll tell mom this and tell dad that or tell dad this and tell mom that or leave out parts of the story for one parent, another parent. But if you have a united front, then it makes it much harder for them to do that. And it's not us against them. It's just us and the discipline that we're trying to instill against the world that they were preparing them for, if you will. So I have a question for you, Dave. So if you do have a couple, you know, that they're struggling with things like this, you know, with discipline or routines or anything in sort or or together communicating, what are some of the things that they can do to make it better, to help, to get through this time? Well, one thing that I share is where a child's mindset is, okay? Because they're egocentric, because we're born egocentric, we're going to look out what's in quote unquote our best interest. But this is the problem with children. They haven't had enough life experience to know what is truly in their best interest. They just don't have enough of that life experience. It's going to be the parent's responsibility, you know, to train that because the parent has had more life experiences. You know, what that means is you have a little one who is looking to the parents 
to be an example of what I need to do. But my egocentricity, see, a little kid is battling with two things. I want to know what to do, but I also have this instinct that I want to do what's going to be in my best interest. Okay, because again, we're all in, uh, have this egocentricity. What that means for the parents is to recognize if we want them to come out successful as young adults, we have to make sure that we train in them to look at both short-term and long-term consequences to teach them that and to create an environment where they can learn that in a safe place. And what that means is mom and dad, in order for them to you know, learn lessons and to gain experiences and to grow in knowledge, mom and dad have to create an environment where what is right is being taught consistently. And what that means is mom and dad have to be on the same page so that the children's natural tendency to be selfish is checked. Now, this is where it plays out with a couple that's divided. You had mentioned, Emlyn, that if she shares something, they're going to look at you. You know why kids do that? It's because if mom says something that doesn't go with, that's not in line with my egocentricity, my natural reaction is to see if the other person would agree with my egocentricity. You see why it's so important that mom and dad be on the same page? Because what happens is either I'm going to break that egocentricity and teach my child to be more of a contributor than a selfish person. What happens if mom and dad aren't on the same page? Because kids are always looking for an angle. Mm -hmm. Who can I get on my side? What you're doing is reinforcing that egocentricity in that kid. Because what they're saying is I'm going to go with the parent that's more in line with my egocentricity. But if you want your child to be healthy, I don't care how frustrated I may be with my spouse. When it comes to the kids, whatever he says, I say. Whatever I say, she says or he says. That's the agreement between the parents. Why? Because we want our kids to have balance and we want our kids to have stability. And we want our kids to be trained to be more contributors and takers. So what that means is, I don't care what kind of fault I have with you, honey, when it comes to the kids, we're going to be consistent. Why? Because I want them to go into adulthood with a contributor's mindset, because that's what's going to make them most successful. But if they're able to angle and pit one parent against the other and all that kind of thing, then they're going to go into adulthood with this entitlement mindset. And no employer or no client is going to give business to somebody who's selfish. And by having division between mom and dad actually trains selfishness in that child. That's why parents, you just can't have kids and not know the responsibility. You got to have maturity. We got to be on the same page, honey. We may not be on the same page as far as, you know, how we pay the bill. I like to pay mine twice a month. You may like to pay your, okay. But when it comes to the kids, we have to show a united front for the health, the psychological, mental, in some cases, even the physical well-being for our children. They have to have that level of stability. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure if that answered your question. No, it does. We have to be, I don't care how frustrated I may be with you, honey, 
we've got to be on the same page when it comes to these. And I'm not saying that you hide your difficulties or any of that kind of thing, but what the kids have to know is that you can't come between me and your daddy. You can try every other tactic, but you can't come between me and your mom. That is not going to happen because I know if in psychology, they call it a triangulated situation. What is a triangulated situation? When a child has been led to believe that they can get their way at the expense of another parent, it creates what they call a triangulated situation where a child is now elevated to a position that they're not psychologically, emotionally, or even physically able to handle. They're put on par with the parents. Hmm. When you say, you know what, I know what your mama said, but you know what, go ahead and do it. What you're doing is you're now elevated. Instead of there being that, that division, parent, child, you've now elevated that child into what they call the executive position. Oh, wow. And what happens is it trains in their frontal cortex, this entitlement mindset, where it may be cute when they're eight, but it ain't so cute when they're 17. Yeah, it makes sense. We have to be on the same page. We don't want anything dividing or coming between our relationship, even our children, because it makes them, it creates in them dysfunction as adults. Man, this is good stuff. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, wow, I'm just sitting here digesting everything that you've been saying and really just kind of mulling it over, you know, seeing how much work we got to do. You know, it's one thing to hear it. And then it's just like, man, there's some work to be done. I love this topic. I think we're going to have to, I don't know. I can see it in Marty yes. probably saying, we got to have you come back again. Show us some other stuff. Man. <laughs> As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we're changing the complexion of wealth. And I wanted to tee it up a little different this time. I know we usually have our four questions that we ask at the end, but I kind of wanted to give Marty a chance to ask you a question. I'll ask the first one so you can think about what you want to ask him. Is there anything that, you know, like a parting gift that you would want to give to the listeners today? We, this is a pretty intense session. I mean, we might have to send a bill with this episode when we send out the email. Let <laughs> them know, you know we didn't bill you for this invoice <laughs> for this session that we had today. But what would you say to that family, to that couple? Well, again, what's happening with, you know, with COVID is that a lot of families are now forced to deal with stuff that have been swept under the rug, stuff that's been avoided because we no longer have the distractions. And one of the things that I encourage folks to do is I don't care how bad it gets that you not give up. Yes, as tough as COVID has been and some of the frustrations and the tensions that are happening, and this political climate also doesn't help some of the tension that some of these households are going through, that before you give up, before you, and again, I don't want to knock you know, law and attorneys, but before you go online and look for divorce attorneys, that you first go online and look for marriage and family therapists. Okay. Why? Because this situation, and again, it's not making light of the conflict and the challenges and the tension that's there and the hurt. Nothing is what I consider an impossible situation. Difficult, but nothing is impossible. And one thing about divorce, and it's not just my biblical worldview that's coming out here, but one thing about divorce is that it is exceedingly damaging financially, relationally, but even more so emotionally and spiritually. There is no clean divorce ever. So what that means is before we go to that extreme, 
You know, now, of course, if there's some sort of egregious situation, domestic abuse or child abuse and that type of thing. Absolutely. We got to split that thing up. But for the sake of mental health, seek out a good marriage and family therapist. You know, again, maybe it's unfixable. I don't know. Maybe. But before you go through the extreme of divorce, seek out counseling first and give it an honest try. Give it an honest effort. Why? Because divorce not only splits up and leaves a scar for those who've been divorced, it creates a legacy within the children that's hard to overcome. Just look at the data. If anything, for the best instances of the children, and I'm not saying stay together for the children's sake. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is get help for the children's sake. If the therapist (laughs) says, y'all ain't going to work, okay, (laughs) we'll either get another therapist or take heed. But don't make divorce your first option. Seek help first. And again, divorces have skyrocketed with this COVID. Why? Not because people have somehow, you know, marriages have somehow been negatively affected. No, marriages are going to be marriages. COVID now is just forcing people to actually look at stuff that's been brewing, whereas pre-COVID, I'm able to avoid, I'm able to, you know, so it's nothing's changed. It's just now with COVID, with the sheltering in place, I now have to face some of this stuff. And that's why I encourage, not because I need more business, believe me. In fact, most therapists, you know, are extremely busy prior to COVID, but seek that help. Why? Because this is generational. Seek the help because if you don't, you may be putting in place or perpetuating generational problems. Put a stop to it. Get some help. Yes. And that's where I was going to ask is what is the first step? And you answered that. Go get some help. You know, and what do you do? First step is get some help. So that's awesome. But yeah, we can go all day. But this <laughs> is the thing again with Inland, to your point, just going back to this whole COVID thing, COVID can make or break a relationship. Okay. It can make or break a family. And I say make or break, it can actually make a family because now we're forced to deal with some stuff. Okay. We have no other option. We can't recreationalize, if that's such a word, you know, issues. We actually have to face them. And that's where making it comes in. We're actually now forced to deal with it and we are going to deal with it so that when this COVID situation lifts, because it will, this is just a season, y'all. This is not forever. It feels like it, but this is a season. There is going to be a brighter day. Okay. The opportunity that we have now with this season is that we can actually do some real work without the distraction. That's the positive, but can also go in the negative that is intolerable and I can't wait to get the heck out. Okay. Good luck with that. Absolutely. Did you get your yes, question? That in? was my question. What was the first step? You know, where do families go, you know, to start a process or, you know, how do they figure this out? So yeah. Get some help. Yeah, get some help. Some help okay. <laughs> and it's not a sign of weakness because those who consult are the ones that invariably have the most success. Mm. It's the ones that isolate that have a tendency to minimize their success. So going to a therapist is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of intelligence. Because what it's saying is, I'm going to go to someone who's actually been trained in what I'm dealing with. It's kind of similar to if I break my arm, God forbid. What sense does it make for me to say, well, let me go to YouTube (laughs) 
you know, yeah. and try to figure out how to set my arm and all. It, that makes no sense, you know, and I can use the same excuse. Well, it's my arm. What can some doctor tell me, you know, on how to fix my own arm? Okay, okay, well, go ahead and have that kind of a mindset. No, the doctor has been trained in how to set a bone. They have the material and all the things that are necessary. Yes, I know it's your arm. And I know you've had that arm all your life, but there's some people out there that can actually help you maintain that arm. Same with marriages, same with psychological health. Yes, I know it's your marriage. I know it's your mind, but there's been people that have the skill, the training that can help you maximize it. So get the help. You're not weak by doing so. Thank you so much for coming back on. Oh no, I'm here. When Emlyn calls, update. <laughs> you just got to just say it and I'm there. We appreciate that. You know what? We really appreciate that. We appreciate, you know, what you're doing and honestly coming on to the show and sharing these valuable insights. It's really made, you know, just listening to the first episode, we had some things that, some changes and things that we were able to make just from that. And from this, I'm sure when we listen to it the second time, we'll be able to pull out some more stuff. So I just want to thank you for your time, for your commitment, for the work that you do. And from me and, you know, Madi and everybody on the Minority Money Podcast, we appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. No, thank you for just giving me the opportunity. I'm so glad to meet you, Madi. Oh, nice um, you guys you. are such an awesome, <laughs> awesome couple. I know you have some amazing babies. Any way that I can contribute to such beautiful people, that's a done deal. So keep doing what you're doing and getting the word out because this is legacy that you're providing as well. What you share on your broadcast and what you guys do, it's going to reverberate long after you're gone. Oh. So I appreciate, you know, even being a part of what you guys are doing because I know it's making a difference in people's lives. So thank you. And as you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time, this is Emlyn Miles Mattingly, Mighty Miles Mattingly, and Dave Stewart. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or a CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.